Colossians chapter number 3 in your Bibles this morning. If you have found that and you're able to do so, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Uh, We're going to be reading verses 17 down through 25, uh, and we'll begin together in verse number 17 and then read every other verse together responsively. So let's read verse 17 together. Ready? Here we go. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. All right, now hold on a minute. Did you read that verse in the name of the Lord Jesus? Did you give it your all? All right, let's give it our all here. Together, verse 17, here we go. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God." And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Well, we're looking at a series of sermons right now, and the title of the series is The Lord's Calling. We're looking at my work for God. And God has put a calling on all of our lives. Are we living out that calling? We've looked at my ministry at work. We've talked about my ministry at church. That was last week. This week, we turn our attention to the title of the sermon, My Ministry at Home. My Ministry at Home. God has called all of us uh, to uh, a calling at home. Are we living out that calling, whether you're single or married? Whether you're married with kids or without kids, there is a calling God has put on you, and we are to go forth and live it. Let's pray this morning and ask God to meet with us in a special way. Lord God, help us as we uncover some truths in Scripture, as we articulate, as we explain, as we preach. Lord God, may uh, the attention span of each of us not uh, falter or fall apart. Help us, Lord, to glean and gain and grow from the message today. Lord, help me as I preach to have clarity of mind and and clarity of tongue, clarity of speech. And Lord, help those to listen. Lord, help them to listen with a heart that desires to not only hear the words that are said, but Spirit of God, uh, convict and and help us to grow from what we hear. Lord, I'm going to convey. Spirit, I ask you to convict. And Lord, work and do a special thing here this morning. Thank you for each one that's here. Those that attend regularly, Lord, we're grateful. Those that are members, we're grateful. Those that are here for the very first time, may you touch them today. Lord, meet with us from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The problem with this world is that people are innately selfish. They think of themselves first And as a result, we have great brokenness everywhere. Um, Governments are corrupt because of selfishness. Chief executives of businesses go to jail because of selfishness. Churches all over this globe splinter because, splinter and shut down because of selfishness. Workplaces, of which some of you are part of, become toxic and unbearable because of selfishness. The truth is, selfishness is a struggle for all of us. We, uh, we all have our own motive, agenda, we have a cause that means more to us than it probably should. We are willing to step on others and hurt them, sometimes intentionally, sometimes we do this unintentionally, to get our own way. What we want must reign supreme. What we want must uh, trump what everyone else wants, and we're willing to step on others in order to get what we want because we are selfish. Now, when you are selfish at home, it does the most damage. When you're selfish at home, it does the most damage. People within your home 
are the most vulnerable to your actions. And so selfishness at home hurts the most. We all understand that in order to love, you must make yourself vulnerable. Everyone understand that concept this, uh, this morning? Uh, if you love someone, you are making yourself vulnerable to them. And when you make yourself vulnerable, selfishness can take advantage of that vulnerability. And so when we are at home and we're trying to have an environment of love, uh, if we're not careful, selfishness hurts and selfishness stomps and selfishness uh, 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 creates a great deal of pain and problems. God did not call us to be selfish. He called us to be servants. He called us to be servants. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 and verses 11 and 12. He said, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now, there are a lot of titles given to members of the clergy. Members of the clergy. Uh, there, are, there is the term reverend. There is the term pastor. There is the term preacher and elder. Um, there is the term man of the cloth. Man of the cloth. I have been called all of these at some point uh, in my minister, ministerial career. There's another title that isn't as common in uh, our circle per se, but one I've grown up hearing quite a bit, and it is the term minister. Minister. How many of you here have ever heard a pastor or preacher called a minister? A minister. Uh, some folks push back on that term. I happen to think it's a great term uh, to call a pastor. I seek to be a minister. And when you stop and think about what that term minister means, it means to serve others. It means to serve people. He who is a minister is ministering, helping, serving, looking after the needs of those under him or put under his watch care. The truth is, listen here, listen up, listen up. This is an important part of the message, important part of the introduction. The truth is, all of us are called to be ministers at home. All of us. Whether you are a child, whether you are the dad and the husband, the wife or the mom, whatever your role is, you are called to be a minister at home. I don't care if you've been married for six months or 60 years. I don't care if uh, you are a single parent trying to do your best to raise your kids or you're a grandparent uh, with your kids only, uh, grandkids only visiting you occasionally. You are called to minister. You are called to love. You are called to look after. I don't care if you're single living at home and your parents live elsewhere. You are called to minister to their needs and to honor them. Husbands, uh, you are to meet the needs of your wife. Wife. You are to meet the needs of your husband. Are we okay this, this morning? Everybody alright this morning? I know I'm not preaching anything real deep yet. Uh, but this is so vital that the obvious be stated sometimes. Because men, sometimes we're not so good at meeting the needs of our wives, are we? We're selfish. And wives, sometimes you're not so great at meeting the needs of your husband, are you? Because you're selfish. And I can sit up here and I can preach deep theology. I can go deep, deep, deep. I can talk about uh, sanctification and justification and propitiation. And I can sp speak terms that make some of your heads spin. But sometimes we just need the obvious to be said. Stop being selfish. And start being a servant. Children, God's called you to meet the needs of your parents. Parents, God's called you to meet the needs of your children. Selfishness is a neglecting of my responsibility to minister to those within my home. A neglecting of my responsibility to minister to those within my home. Selfishness, listen up, is a hyper-focus of my responsibility, or rather servanthood. Let me begin again. Servanthood is a hyper-focus on my responsibility to minister to each and every one around me, and in this context within my home. I must minister. I must look after. I must put the needs of the others ahead of my own agenda, ahead of my own desire, ahead of my own cause. Uh, the greater good of the home is more important than my own agenda and cause being advanced and pushed forward. God has called each of us to do His work. God has called each of us to do His ministering, uh, ministry at work, ministry at Church, and today we focus on ministry at 
home. Let's look at three important elements as we consider this vital truth, my work for God, the Lord's calling, my ministry at home. What I want all of us to do right now is I want all of us to take a moment right where we're sitting and spend it in private prayer. We'll get everyone bow their head and close their eyes just for a moment. I want you to ask God to show you what you can change to be a better minister within the walls of your home. Take a moment right now, and I'll give you about 30 seconds to pray that prayer. Now, Lord, help us. Help us, God, to dial in this morning and have hearts that are tender and sensitive. Lord, help us to see bad habits in our lives that are creating havoc and hurt at home. Help us to see where selfishness has creeped in and caused great problems. Lord, help us to see where selfishness is in the way of us being a servant. And Lord, make it clear to us. And may we leave here with some changes in place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you have an outline this morning, several visitors today. Uh, I am a an outlined preacher. And so... If you have a bulletin on the back of there, you'll see my outline with some blanks that will get filled in as we go. And the, um, uh, the words on the outline will be put up on the screen for your assistant. So if you're a visitor and you got a bag, on that bag was a pen. Use that pen and let's get to work here. Number one, point number one, let's note the word atmosphere. Atmosphere. We're being a minister at home. Note the word atmosphere. Look with me at Colossians 3. And look at verse 12, and let's let the Word of God uh, tell us what kind of atmosphere we should have. Look at verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You see the environment here? See the atmosphere here? It's one of kindness. It's one of mercies. It's one of humbleness of mind. Uh, there's meekness. That's power under control. There's long-suffering. There's forbearing and forgiving one another. Uh, if you have a quarrel, uh, you're forgiving as Christ forgave you. Look at 14. Above all the, and above all these put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. That's the atmosphere. One of gratitude. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Many people dread going home after work. They just dread it. They go to work, they get along great with their co-workers, have a great time at work, and then they know when they get in the car and they go home, uh, it's not going to be harmony and unity. It's not going to be forgiving and forbearing. It's not going to be um, uh, uh, fun. It's not going to be kind. It's not going to be mercies. It's not going to be a beloved, holy experience. You're going to go home and, and have to deal with a spouse who's angry or deal with children who are disobedient and uh, uh, won't uh, behave themselves. Even if there isn't uh, overt strife in the home, there can be covert strife in the home. And this is manifested in a passive-aggressive attitude. Passive-aggressive attitude. This is how this often looks. Dad hunkers down in front of the television and ignores the family. I'm just not going to... I don't want strife, so I'm just going to avoid everyone over here. All right? Mom is going about um, uh, griping about how no one helps her around the house. All right? How come i got to do all the dishes all the time? I cooked dinner and got on the table. The least something you could do is help me clean up around here. Oh, how many times did I hear that from my mom growing up? All right? Am I hitting home yet? Hitting home yet? And instead of people, you know, hopping up and scurrying around the house and helping, Dad just tunes Mom out and just keeps turns the TV up. Right? Kids go in their bedroom and close their doors. And what are they, what are they doing in their bedroom? Well, they're Snapchatting or they're texting or they're playing their video games. Anything they can to avoid mom and dad. 
Hey, I, I told you today I'm going to be super practical. Here's a really, really simple, practical point. All right, you listening? Everybody listening? Bedrooms are where the bed is for sleeping. Living rooms are where we live. Bedrooms are where we sleep. Parents, don't let your kids hang out in their bedrooms. They have a bedroom to go to bed. They don't have a bedroom to live out of. They should live in the living room and sleep in the bedroom. Amen? Some of you, you Wow! What kind of atmosphere do we have? A lot of folks don't have a happy atmosphere at home. These atmospheres are unpleasant. These atmospheres are filled with selfish, selfish behavior. What kind of atmosphere should we work toward? Well, I see three atmospheres about the family in Colossians 3. Let me give them to you. Letter A, an atmosphere of love. An atmosphere of love. Look at Colossians 3 and look at verse 19. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, in all of the Pauline epistles, Paul never once instructs the woman to love her husband. Never once but rather for the man to love his wife. Why is that? Because love for a woman is natural. But love for a man is less natural. Love for a man is less natural. Love Women love unconditionally. Men often put conditions on their love. I will love you if. Men are great at loving themselves. Men are great at nurturing their own hobbies Habits and bodies. What would happen if men chose to go home each evening and invest in their families as much as they invest at their work? Men, do you love your boss more than you love your wife? Are you more passionate about advancing the company's cause than you are advancing the cause within your own home? Are you more excited about getting a pay raise at work than you are seeing your children raised up to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we are to have an atmosphere of love. Now, I could stand up here for the rest of the sermon and harp on a loving atmosphere. I could give you ideas how to go forth and do it. The reality is, all of us know how to do it. It isn't a matter of knowing how to love. It's just that we choose not to love others. We choose to love ourselves. We're selfish. We're selfish. And because we're selfish, we don't have an atmosphere of love. And so if you're going to have an atmosphere at home that pleases the Lord, then have an atmosphere of love and dad... Husband, the Bible says that starts with you. Husbands, love your wives, verse 19, and be not bitter against them. Uh, Let me give you a second atmosphere that should exist in the home. I see in this passage, Colossians 3, 18 and 20, lays out an atmosphere of leadership. An atmosphere of leadership. Look at verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Look down to verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well Pleasing unto the Lord. Notice God's structure for the home. Oh, this is not popular, but I have to say it because the Bible teaches it. Amen? Here it is. Listen, it may not be popular. How many parents, uh, when you were little, you, you were told by your mom and dad, if everyone else jumped off a bridge, would you do it? How many of you have heard that phrase before? How many of you said to yourself, I will never say that to my kids, and you have now said it to your kids? Right? I can remember being 12, rolling my eyes. Uh, I will never say that to my kids. and I'm sure I've said it more than once. What's popular is usually not right. Sometimes what's popular is right, but usually it's not. Here's God's order in the home, all right? 
Here's how this is supposed to work. This is the pecking order of leadership. God, then husband, then wife, then children. God, husband, wife, children. God, husband, wife, children. Now, husband is submit to the Lord, and the wife is to submit to her husband, and the children are to submit to mom and dad. When we have an atmosphere of leadership at home, then everyone thrives and everyone does well. I have two main thoughts I want to share on leadership before we move on uh, to the third atmosphere. All right, jot these down somewhere. Uh, there's no um, typed up spot for this, but just scribble this down somewhere. Here's the first one. Leaders do not lead as much as they are followed. Leaders do not lead as much as they are followed. Another way of saying that is if you're leading from a point of your position, that is the weakest form of leadership. If I walk up to Angela... And I say to her, Don't you know who I am? I am your husband. You have to follow me. You know what I'm not? I'm not leading the home. Because I'm having to use my title to force her, to try to force her. If I walk up to my kids sitting right here and I say, I'm your father, you do what I say. Oh, I'm not leading. I'm not leading, I'm demanding. Demanding is not the same thing as leading. Leading, leaders do not lead as much as they are followed. Now, when you are going somewhere that other people want to go, people will naturally follow you. Men, you're called to lead your home spiritually. Men, look up here at me. Are you growing spiritually? Because if you're not growing and going somewhere, why would anybody follow you? You're not going anywhere. You're sitting still. You may even go in the wrong direction. No one's going to follow you if you're not walking somewhere. Right? Little kids play follow the leader. The leader stops. Everyone else has to stop. Or What ends up happening is everyone scatters. And a lot of husbands say, I'm the leader of my home. But you're not growing. And so if you're not growing, how can they follow? If you're not walking in the direction of being more spiritual, then why would your wife and children follow you? Parents, you are called to lead your home into integrity. Are you integritous? I found out, putting the sermon together, that the word integritous is not a word. I made up a word. Amen? That's what preachers do. We make up words. I got it all typed up, and I had a red squiggly line underneath it. And so I pulled up uh, dictionary.com, and I typed in integritous, and it says, do you mean in integrity? Did you mean integrity? And I said, no, I mean integritous, because that's my word. So uh, we're going to roll with it. Um, are you integritous? Are you a man or woman of integrity? If you are not walking in the direction of integrity, then why would your children follow you? Right? You're in your car. You're in the parking lot. You back up and you bump the car behind you and you dent their bumper. You leave paint on their bumper. You look this way, you look that way, and you leave. And you know who's watching you? First of all, the Lord is watching you. He knows. Secondly, those little eyeballs sitting in the back seat. Then they go cheat on a test and you get on them for it. Where do you think they learn how the Maybe not be so integritous. They learned it from you. They learned it from you. You see, you can't lead in integrity if you are not a man or woman of integrity. Husbands, you are called to lead your home in the area of faithfulness. Why would your family follow you to church each week if you cannot be faithful to church yourself? So my first thought on an atmosphere of leadership is that leaders do not lead as much as they are followed. My second thought is that leaders cannot lead if followers will not follow. Leaders cannot lead if followers will not follow. Ultimately, God does not command the husband to submit to his wife. Ephesians 5.21 teaches the husband the principle of deference, but ultimately God has given the role of submission and reverence to the wife and the children. Some husbands or fathers can't lead. They, they don't know how. Other husbands or fathers won't lead because they are 
carnal and fleshly driven. Uh, while you, while yet other husbands and fathers try to lead, but their wife and or their children will not follow. Will not follow. I look at Jesus who was the perfect leader. God gave him 12 disciples. Did you know one of them would not follow him? Was it Jesus' fault that Judas ended up being labeled the son of perdition and in my strong opinion went to hell? Is it Jesus' fault that that Judas uh, did not follow him? No, it's Judas' fault that Judas did not follow. And my friend, if God has put you in the home to follow the leader in front of you and you won't follow because you're stubborn and obstinate and self-willed and it has to be your way and there's this constant struggle and competition within the home of who's in charge and who calls the shot and which way we're doing things, then my friend, it isn't necessarily the leader's fault. It's your fault because you won't follow. I have, um, I have done a lot of family counseling over the years and I find one of two problems. I find wives who are starving for a husband to stand up and lead. But then I find husbands who are starving for a wife who will just go along and follow the husband's leadership. Sometimes it's the wife's fault. Sometimes it's the husband's fault. But can I tell you what it usually is? it's usually a little bit of blame lays on both sides. Men, if God's given you a wife who's difficult to lead, then become a better leader. Ladies, if God's given you a husband that struggles with leadership, then you just get that much better at following. And let's both work on it. You say, well, Pastor Lejeune, isn't it sexist for you to stand up there and say that the wife should follow her husband? I would say, it is no more sexist for me to say that or bigoted for me to say that than for me to say that you need to go to work tomorrow and do what your boss tells you to do. You see, within a a, a company structure, there has to be a leader and there has to be those that follow. Otherwise, you have chaos. And if you look around at the homes today, what we have is chaos that's taken over this country because homes are filled with people where no one is in charge. God did not make the man better by putting him in charge. Someone has to lead or you have chaos. Men, you'd be wise to listen to your wife's counsel. She's not your slave. God did not take her from your foot. You're not to walk all over her. You're not to boss her around. You're not to push her around. She's to come along your side and complete you and counsel you and help you. She's your partner in life, not your slave in life. But you'd be wise to have an atmosphere of love. You'd be wise to have an atmosphere of leadership and let her see uh, we need to have an atmosphere of loyalty. Of loyalty. Look at Colossians 3 and verse 19. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. Look here. And be not bitter against them. God has made men in such a way where they need to be reverenced and respected by their wife. And when wives struggle to reverence and respect their husbands, husbands can very quickly become bitter against their wives. And God says you are to forbear and forgive and you are not to hold a grudge or a spirit of bitterness against them. You are to be loyal to your wife and you are to forgive her for Christ's sake. Look down at verse number 21, Colossians 3. Look at verse number 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. A lot of parents are so self-serving. They neglect the raising of their children. They don't invest the time in the children. By the way, children spell love, T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E. If you're not giving time... To your children. And listen, there's this whole movement that's taken place over the last 10 years that quality of time is better than quantity of time. And while I agree that what time you give your kids needs to be good quality, don't just fall into this trap that, oh, I gave my kids 15 minutes of quality time today, so we're good. No, you need to give them quantity and quality of time. You need to do the best you can to invest in them. Um, I've come to this truth after raising two children and watching many other raise their children, being the oldest of seven children. When children are born in this world, they are barbarians. They're barbarians. They are uncivilized in every way. And mom and dad, if you don't take the time to teach them how to be civil and how to behave, they're not going to figure it out on their own. And if you let the culture raise them, It ain't going to work. A lot of children grow up angry because mom and dad did not invest the time in them necessary. A lot of children grow up angry because mom and dad lost their cool and 
and were angry at their own kids on a regular basis. And there's not that loyalty to our family. Why? Because we're more loyal to earning money and we're more loyal to a career and we're more loyal to make the list yourself, but we're loyal to these things. And as a result, our family pays the price. Uh, Listen, you can have all the money in the world. If you are relationally poor, you are broke. You are broke. Learn to love your family. Have an atmosphere of love. Have an atmosphere of leadership. Have an atmosphere of loyalty. Love, sincerely love, and sincerely care for each other. Sincerity and humility go a long ways toward an atmosphere of loyalty. You want loyalty in your home? Let me just share this one thing. We'll move on to the next point. I can't tell you how many times I have called a family meeting or gone and sat on Matthew's bed or sat on April's bed next to her or pulled my wife to the side and I've looked at them in the eye and I've said, Dad was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? To Angela, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Not... I'm sorry, but if you da 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 That's not a real apology. Are you men, men, are you man enough to do that? A lot of men aren't man enough to admit when they're wrong. Because they are selfish. Selfish. You want your children to be loyal to you? Then admit when you're wrong and be loyal to them. You want your spouse to be loyal to you? Be able to look them in the eye and apologize when you're out of bounds. You say, but I didn't do... Uh, they were wrong too. Well, you got to let God work on their heart. You have to allow the Lord to convict them and bring them to a point of repentance. You can't be their Holy Spirit. All you can do is own your part. Have an atmosphere of sincerity and humility which brings about loyalty, an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of leadership, an atmosphere of loyalty. Let's work on having and the proper atmosphere at home. Notice number two, accountability. Accountability. I've got an A, B, and a C here. Letter A, notice, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. What is accountability? Someone who can keep you on your toes, look you in the eye and say, have you been behaving yourself? Have you been behaving yourself? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you with who you're supposed to be with? What are you looking at on your cell phone? What's going on on those electronics of yours? Who are you Snapchatting with? Who are you texting? What's going on on your Instagram account? Teenagers right now. That's none of my parents' business. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Everybody needs it. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. I've got two common quotes here I want to give to lay the uh, groundwork for this uh, point here, this thought. The first one is this. You've heard it said, The best of men are men at best. The best of men are men at best. Can I tell you what I am? I am a sinner. I am a corrupt man. I'll stand right up here and admit it. I am a corrupt man. You say, you're corrupt? Of course I'm corrupt, because I was born with a sin nature with a slant toward doing wrong. You know what also I am? I'm self-aware enough to know that if I don't get some help, I'm going to make a big, big mess of my marriage and my parenting in this church. I need accountability. Because if I don't have accountability, I'm going to land flat on my face. And so will you. Another quote for you, common quote, one you've probably heard before. Absolute power absolutely corrupts. Absolute power absolutely corrupts. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul, who may have been uh, one of the greatest uh, leaders In the church era, he was terrified of falling into sin. He was terrified of ruining his influence with the gospel. If Paul the Apostle was uh, was capable of falling into sin, then you and I are capable of falling into sin. Now, here's a thought for you. The more authority you have, the more accountability you need. The more authority you have, 
the more accountability you need. I am the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church. I am the husband of Angela Segura Lejeune. I am the father of Matthew and April. Uh, I really don't have a, a human in my life who I interact with on a daily basis that can pull me in and just tell me what to do because I am the leader in all of these ways. And you know what? The higher up the, the, the leadership chain I climb, the more accountability I need. A lot of husbands will say, you can't tell their wife, you can't go through my phone. Well, well, why not? Why can't your wife go through your phone? What on your phone is it that you don't want her to, to know about? Listen, my wife will say to me on the fly, I need your phone. And every time I unlock it and hand it right to her. She'll walk in the other room with it and have it for 45 minutes. You say, are you nervous? Nope. I'm glad she does it. I wish she'd do it more. I need the accountability. Now, if you have a smartphone, let me just give you, a, 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 let me give you some advice here. All right? Share your location with your spouse. And never unshare it. Angela can pull up and see where I'm at and what I'm doing anytime she wants. And I can see where she's at and what she's doing anytime I want. You know where that gets me in trouble? When I'm on my way home from a visit or I'm out somewhere and I want to stop at McDonald's to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> There's this thought in the back of my head, I wonder if she's checking my location right now. I hope this drive throughs fast, Amen. I know what I'm capable of. I've been in church for 38 years. I have seen many, many pastors fall into sexual sin and be thrown out of ministry and churches crumble and fall apart as a result. I have wept tears over pastors who've let me down. I've seen pastors who've laundered money. I've seen pastors who've let fame go to their head and power go to their head. I need accountability and so do you. So do you. Don't buck accountability. Embrace it. Because without it, you'll fall apart and you'll fail. Children need accountability. Children need accountability. Parents, expect what you inspect. Understand that human nature, sin nature, tends toward dishonesty and laziness. Dishonesty and laziness. Kids tend to be dishonest and they tend to be lazy unless you pull out that flashlight and you inspect deeply as to what they're doing and what they said about what they did. You're doing your children a favor by inspecting every corner of their lives. I won't say who, but we have a, we have a family in our church that was having an issue with uh, one of their uh, daughters uh, some years ago. And so in order to get to the bottom of it, they took the door off of the hinges to the bedroom. Just remove the door. I mean, just took it off the hinges. They said to the daughter, if you're going to change, go change in the bathroom. Because every time we walk by your room, we're going to see what you're doing. You say, that is crazy. No, it's not. No, it's not. She was being secretive. She was hiding things. And mom and dad said, you ain't doing that no more. They went, well, they were from the north. They said, you're not going to do that anymore. I would have said, you ain't doing that no more. They went through her drawers. They took her cell phone. They took her tablet. They took her laptop and kept it for a long time. Kids need accountability. They need to know. A lot of parents are naive as to what's going on. I had a, a couple sit in my office and uh, their son had gotten into some trouble on his smartphone. This was years ago in another ministry. And I looked at the mom and dad who were in their 40s and I said, would you let your child have cable TV in the bedroom? And they said, no. I said, do you understand there is nothing that child can't see on that cell phone? And you let him go to bed with it at night. You let him go to bed with it at night. Kids are up till 2 or 3 in the morning interacting with their peers instead of sleeping. My kids don't have a smartphone and won't have a smartphone until they're quite a bit older. Now, there will be a day in time where we give them one and, 
and we put limitations on it, and they earn that trust, and it can be yanked away in a heartbeat. But if you're a parent here and you've not yet given your child a smartphone, let me just, and I'm, I'm meddling here. I'm giving opinion. I'm not preaching Scripture. I want to be clear on that. But I want to be really clear to say, you be very careful what you give them. Because you will stand before God one day, and we're talking about accountability. The God of all gods, the King of the universe, is going to have you stand before Him, and you are going to give an account for how you raise those kids. And may you do that with joy and not with hurt. Kids need accountability. I coached basketball for several years in, in high school varsity basketball. and I can tell you the referees that we didn't like were the ones that would not consistently blow the whistle every time the ball hit the inline or someone's foot hit the inline. We expect the referees to call a foul when there's a foul, to blow the whistle when the ball's out of bounds. And when your kids step out of bounds, they need you to blow the whistle on them. They need you to hold them accountable. They need you to be consistent. And if you don't, and if you won't, you lose all respect from your kids. They may not like it. They may pitch a fit and scream and cry. But deep down inside, every child wants a mom and dad who loves them enough to protect them from the immorality and the pain that comes from it. Everybody needs it. Letter B, notice, eliminate the shadows. Eliminate the shadows. Sin thrives in the shadows. Sin thrives in the shadows. That's why Jesus said in John 3.19, He said, And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. Where there is a shadow in your life, you must bring out the flashlight of God's Word and eliminate the shadow. Take your Bibles over to 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John chapter number 1. While you're turning there, Psalm 119.105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Oftentimes, uh, we, we are ineffective in our ministry at home because we have secret sins that limit our work that God has called us to do for our family. We are too selfish uh, uh, pursuing wrongdoing to truly be a servant to those around us. We're too busy doing wrong. We're too busy pursuing our own selfish interests that we cannot indeed serve God because we have shadows in our life and we have sin that's there and we're lying to everyone including our spouse, our pastor. We're even lying to ourselves. We're trying to lie to God but my friend, God knows about the sin that's in the shadows of your heart. He may, You and Him may be the only one but He knows. Look at First John 1. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our son, sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why it is highly important that, Dad, you get your, your, your uh, uh, husband, you get your wife, and if you have kids, Mom and Dad, you get your kids, and together you get in behind Jesus, and anywhere Jesus is, you follow Him. You go wherever Jesus is going, and you follow Him because He is light. And as you walk in the light, you are following truth. And you know what? Sin cannot thrive when you are walking in the light. But what happens is we want the preacher to believe we're walking in the light. We want our spouse to believe we're walking in the light. But all over here on the side where we can find a little shadow, we got some secret sins going on. And when we talk about accountability, oh, I don't need accountability. I'm righteous. If we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth. We all have a sin nature. We all can get tripped up. And we need the light of the Word of God uh, and the person of the Word, Jesus Christ, in order to be shown down on our life and show us when we're wrong. Eliminate the shadows. Eliminate the shadows. That's why you should be in church every week. Because here, we take the flashlight of God's Word and we shine it bright right down into your eyes. You know what we don't like when we're sleeping? You know, we don't like when our eyes are accustomed to the dark. We don't like someone flipping the light switch on. That's why a lot of people don't go to church in our culture today. Because they love the dark darkness. They love the shadows. They love the sin. And they go to church and boom! Flashlight right in the eyes. And oh, turn that off. I don't know about you. I don't want to live in the dark. 
I don't want to stumble around in the darkness. I don't want to be a blind guide or be led by a blind guide. I want the truth of God's Word to be lifted up and heralded and proclaimed and preached. And I want God's Word to shine down in every corner of my heart. And I want my sin to be exposed so I can be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Eliminate the shadows. Letter C. Expect honesty. Expect honesty. Take your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter number 5. Look at me at verse number 25. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it. So the marriage of a husband and a wife is supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church. And so this parallel runs thick and deep. Look at verse number 26. And we get what Christ is trying to do with the church. Likewise, the husband is to do this with his wife. And I would say even extended down into his children. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, notice this, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy, holy and without blemish. Here is a truth that drives me to do my very best to minister to my family at home. Several years ago, Angela, who grew up in Peru, became a U.S. citizen. I remember we were given a manual of what would be on the test for citizenship. It was many, many pages thick. How many of you here have gone through the U.S. citizenship process? Would you hold your hand up for me? How many know what I'm talking about? You get that manual, and you got a, several of you. Amen. Um, and so I remember her and I were studying. I mean, we studied and studied. I learned things about my own country I didn't know. Amen? It's amazing the things they have in that, that booklet. And so we studied and studied and studied. And I remembered we showed up there at the, uh, uh, the, the, the U.S. building, U.S. federal building, for her to take the test. And I sat outside. My stomach was in knots. I mean, just in knots. And, and I was nervous for her because I wanted her so badly to ace this test. We were studying on the hour ride over there and, and, and working on it. And my, my, my kids were, were, were little at the time. They had red, white, and blue on their face. And they had red, uh, American flags. And my mom-in-law was there. We were all prepared to celebrate. And I thought, oh, man, we put so much time into this. And, and if she fails, uh, the, the disappointment, and she's in there, and my stomach is in knots. And sure enough, she passed the test. I think she aced it and, uh, and, became, and was sworn to be a U.S. citizen. That was great. You know, one day in heaven, I'm going to be sitting in a similar scenario. Except Angela will not be sitting in front of some clerk taking a test. Angela will be all by herself standing before the God of the universe giving an account for how she lived her life for God. It is my duty to prepare her for that meeting. Now, if we're not honest with each other down here, how can I have the credibility to lead her? If she's not honest down here, how is she going to pass that test in heaven? Now, her, her salvation is not pendant, uh, dependent on that. She is safe. She's going to go into heaven, but she's either going to walk out of that judgment seat moment with a smile on her face, having heard, well done, good and faithful servant, or she's going to walk away hearing, you are foolish and frivolous with the way you lived. I'm disappointed in you. Uh, you enter into eternity knowing that you just barely made it in. By the way, not only is Angela going to walk through that test, so is Matthew, and so is April. And the three of them need to be concerned that I am going to walk through that test. This is why we expect honesty in the Lejeune home. Because one day, there is a God in heaven who wrote truth, who made the heaven and earth, who's going to look me in the eye and look the three of them in the eye individually and hold us all accountable. We can't be honest with each other. How do we expect to be honest before a holy God? We're talking about accountability. T. 
Teenagers, don't buck your parents holding you accountable. Husband, don't buck your wife holding you accountable. Wife, don't buck your husband holding you accountable. When there's something wrong, don't get mad as a hornet. Work to make it right. Atmosphere, accountability, and number three, and lastly, notice, acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Now, before I give you any more thoughts on acknowledgement, any, any of my thoughts on acknowledgement, here's what I want to say. Especially, the, especially to the teenagers and younger in here. If all you have to get you to do right is a loving atmosphere at home and accountability from mom and dad, if that's all you have, you will end up falling into sin. You listening? Listen. I want all the teenagers sitting right over here. Look up here at me. Now, the adults, I want you to hear what I'm saying too, but I specifically want the teenagers to dial in. Mom and dad are not always going to be looking over your shoulder. Listen up. Listen up. Look up here. Look right up here. Look right up here. You listening? You're not always going to have mom and dad to hold you accountable to everything that you do. It's not always going to work that way. Your mom and dad can create a Christian atmosphere in your home, and your mom and dad can seek to keep you accountable. But if that's all you're relying on to get you to do right, you're going to fall apart. You need this third A. You know what acknowledgement is? It's acknowledging that even when mom and dad are not watching you, God is always watching you. It's understanding that the God of the universe who made you and loved you and has a plan for your life is watching every step you take. And when you can get acknowledgement in with the other two, even when mom and dad aren't right there with you, guess what? You may even have a mom and dad doesn't even care if you do what's right. They don't care what time you come home. They don't care who your friends are. They don't check your, your, your phone. They don't do any of that stuff. But you know that God in heaven is always watching you. And when you have that, oh man, you are set up to succeed. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 6. Let me quote it for you. In fact, if you know it, say it with me. Here we go. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Letter A, notice motivation. Motivation. Go back to Colossians 3 with me and look at verse 17. The Bible says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, here's our motivation, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. What motivates you to serve your family? Is it their behavior? Oftentimes, we get what we want out of people, or rather, when we get what we want out of people, we give them what they want from us. Our ministry at home becomes conditional on how they treat us. Oh, I will love my wife if she's really good to me. Oh, I will respect, ladies would say, oh, I will respect and and follow my husband if he'll just simply be really good at loving me. When was the last time he took me out on a date? When was the last time he, he, he brought me something I wanted? When was the last time he said something sweet in my direction? When was the last time he took a minute to think about anybody other than himself? You know what? When my husband quits being so selfish, then I'll come in behind and I'll support him. You see, your motivation then is no longer the Lord. Your motivation is the behavior of your, of your spouse. A husband says, I would love my wife if she would be more lovable. God says, don't love her for what you can get out of her. Love her because I've commanded you to do it. Love her in word and deed, word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus. A wife says, I will submit to him and follow him. I would submit to him and follow him if he was worth following. God says, reverence him and submit to him as unto the Lord and not unto man. Do so in word or deed and do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Children, I would honor my parents if they were more honorable. And that goes for you adult children as well. God says, obey and honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. Do so in word or deed and do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if your motivation to, 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 to do your work within the confines of the four walls of your home is simply the behavior of your spouse or the behavior of your kids or the behavior of those with whom you cohabitate. My friend, you got it all wrong. Our motivation shouldn't be each other. It should be the Lord Jesus Christ. Motivation. Let her be mindset. Mindset. 
Look at Colossians 3, look at verse 18. When we get down to the end of the verse of 18, read that phrase out loud with me. Ready? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Here we go. As it is fit in the Lord. Ready? We're going to do it again. Let me hear you this time. And ladies, be thankful I'm having you read the end of the verse, not the beginning of the verse. Amen? Here we go. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Here we go. As it is fit in the Lord. There we go. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. Read the rest of the verse with me. For that is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 again and look at verse number 25. Quickly, get over there. We're almost done this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse number 25. All right, when we get past the word wives, I want you to read the rest of the verse with me. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives. Ready? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 4. You're going to read the second half of the verse with me. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Here we go. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You see, our mindset is often go along to get along. It's survive one day to the next. One week to the next. One month to the next. One year to the next. It's let's just have good enough time at home to where we can coexist without killing each other. Here's why. We have the wrong mindset. We have the wrong mindset. Our mindset doesn't need to be, is Angela happy with me? I'm talking about from my home. My mindset doesn't need to be, is Angela happy with me or not? Matthew and April happy with me or not? My mindset needs to be, am I doing this as unto the Lord? Am I doing this in the name of Christ? Am I raising them to love the Lord? I've said this many times. Uh, I'm going to say it here again. Many, many times I've said to my kids as I put them to bed at night, and now they're getting older, I don't quite put them to bed the same way I used to, but I'd sit on the edge of their bed as they're getting ready to fall asleep, and I'd rub my hand across their face, and I'd say to them, I'd say, you do not belong to me, you belong to the Lord, and one day when you leave this home, I'm going to turn you over to live your life for the Lord. That's my mindset when it comes to raising my kids. There's a greater good out there than just what I want for my, uh, for me. I have dreams and aspirations and desires for my kids, but ultimately it's about them finding God's dreams and God's aspirations and God's desires for them. Wives, you don't submit to your husbands because he is worthy, because he's probably not. You submit to your husband because the Lord is worthy. Husbands, you don't love your wife because she's worthy, even though she probably is. You, you love her because He is worthy. He is worthy. Mindset. Mindset. We have to take our eyes off of the flesh and blood in front of us and think about the Lord when it comes to our acknowledgement within our home. Let her see. And lastly, notice the word merit. Merit. Look back at me at Colossians 3. And let's look at the last three verses of the chapter. 23 through 25. And whatsoever ye do, the Bible says, do it heartily. Here we go. Here's the mindset. As to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord, here's the merit, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. God says, give it your all. Why? Because one day, you will be rewarded for your efforts. When you serve Christ, He pays out. He pays out with blessings on earth, but more importantly, He pays out with an inheritance of heaven. Hey, to those of you here today that have been neglecting your part at home, your ministry at home, God's going to pay out to you as well. If you're living selfishly, then God's going to reward you. You will receive for the wrong which you have done. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. My Bible is closed. I'm wrapping up, but I want you to give me your attention for just another moment. Right up here. I end the sermon where I began it. You listening? Are you selfish or are you a servant? Only you really know that. Because if you're selfish, you have animus and strife and misery at home. 
If you're a servant, you will bring about an atmosphere of love, of leadership, and loyalty. If you're a servant, and all of you can commit to this model, you'll have accountability. You'll learn to acknowledge the Lord in all you do. Are you selfish, or are you a servant? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Sometimes we want to make the will of God something mysterious and strange and spooky and difficult. But the will of God is that you serve the Lord in your place of work. You serve the Lord at church. You serve the Lord and you serve those in front of you at home. This is the will of God. That you do those things right in front of you. If your home is defined by passive-aggressive strife or aggressive strife, it's time for everyone in the home to take a look down inside their heart and say, where am I being selfish? Where can I work to be a servant? How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, God showed me something in my heart today, whether big or small, God showed me something in my heart today where I know I can do my part to make our home that which pleases the Lord. Pastor, pray for me that I will take serious His calling in my life to be a minister at home. If that's you, would you slip up your hand this morning? God has revealed to me. I can see where I can improve. I can do better. Pastor, here's my hand. Please pray for me. I see your hands. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, I needed that song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. Sometimes I think that God maybe has forgotten about me. I'm going through a hardship. Pastor, please pray for me that God would hold my hand through this trial. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I need prayer. I'm going through a hardship, and I just need to know God is by my side through this. My friend, don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Continue forward as you walk through these valleys. Lord, help us today to take the truths that we've heard. Lord, help us to leave here with changes in place to be servants and to not be selfish. Lord, bless the rest of our time. Bless our invitation. May many people make commitments that last in Jesus' name.